So people often ask us, like, why are y'all so negative? We're going to answer that question today. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures made for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. Here at Touch of Flavor, we teach non-monogamous folks how to overcome their obstacles and build thriving relationships. This podcast is about answering one question. How do you create loving, passionate, secure relationships outside the box, even if nothing has ever worked before? If you want to know the answer, you are in the right place. All of this information is 100% free. So please subscribe to and review our podcast. All right. So quite often, you know, we'll have folks who reach out and are like, you know, Cassie, you and Josh are kind of like negative Nancys, right? You're always talking about the challenges and the problems and like, why don't we like talk about more positive things and awesome things about polyamory, right? And first of all, I would challenge and say, we do talk about some really awesome things about polyamory and non-monogamy. Wasn't that why you're also negative an exact quote? Yes, that is an exact quote. I pulled it from a message that I got <laughs> last week. Um, so why y'all so negative? Why can't we talk about something positive, right? So the the truth is, right, we, we do talk about the awesome things about non-monogamy. Um, we actually have some shows on, I mean, there's one that's like, you know, like the top five reasons why we think polyamory is beautiful. But the truth is we we do talk about challenges. We talk about the problems because there are real challenges when it comes to having relationships, right? Like, and that's any relationship. And when it comes to polyamory, non-monogamy, it's close to our heart. It's what we do every day. And when you do something all the time, you get to see the wonderful things about it. And you also get to see the reality of the challenges, right? And so we talk to folks. I mean, how many folks do we talk to? I talk to hundreds personally. Yeah, like hundreds of folks a year. And with doing that, we get to see the beauty. We get to see the awesome things that can happen. But we also see when your relationship is, is facing challenges, when folks don't heal their relationships, what really happens, right? Um, And so while we get to support people falling back in love and we get to see these amazing things, we also can't really ignore the, the negative, right? We can't ignore when Uh, we see these big things that are impacting relationships and destroying families. And so we talk about them because we're not going to pull our punches. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, And we're going to talk about like optimism, the optimism bias in this, this episode. But, you know, so I was thinking initially, I was like, when you're talking here, Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking, so, I don't know. Are we in a place where we have more of a bias towards the negative side as like, you know, a way to combat the fact that most people 
um, are delusionally optimistic in a lot of ways, right? And that I think in a lot of ways, the non-monogamous community as a whole has a lot of optimism in circumstances where there shouldn't. And I was really just thinking about that for a moment. And I was like, no, we don't. And I'll tell you why. Mm. Because the data is, is that looking at marriages, and we'll just go with marriages for a minute, even though, yeah. you know, because a lot of our clients are married, even though there's, you know, plenty of people in the non-monogamous space who aren't married. But even looking at marriages, right, which are, I think it's pretty clear, going to have More. a lower breakup rate than if we're just dating and we aren't as entwined and don't yeah. have as much at stake if we break up. The statistics for marriages in this country are 50% for first marriages, 60% for second, and 73 for third, right? Um, divorce rate, yeah. So you are, even if you're married, more likely than not to lose that relationship than to keep it. And that is if that's without throwing non-monogamy mm-hmm. on top of things. Because while non-monogamy is beautiful and amazing, uh, I certainly don't think it helps the rate of people staying together when they throw those challenges on top. So it's going to be higher, right? So I'm saying that to say, I was really actually thinking like, so I don't know, do we skew <laughs> negative to combat that? And I was like, no, like, I think we, I think the reality of the conversation that most people like to ignore is that most relationships, most marriages, most families don't work. And if you want to not be a statistic, if you want to defy those odds, then you have to be in a place where you, number one, recognize that fact. And number two, choose to operate very differently because of it. So I'll pass it back to you. But I was just thinking in real time, I was like, I don't know. Do we skew more towards it? No, no, I don't think we do. And and I don't, you know, my, my big thing is this, is that there is consequences to being too optimistic, right? And when we're talking to folks and we're bringing these things, right? The truth is, right? We're, we're holding up a mirror of what's really going on, what's really happening. And I'm going to say something that's probably going to trigger you because I'm going to talk about triggers for a second. Like if you're sitting there and listening to some of the things that we're saying about jealousy or feeling disconnected or, you know, recognizing that your relationship isn't is 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 going in a negative direction. If you're feeling triggered by that, there's a reason. If it wasn't about you, if it wasn't something that was true to you, you'd just change the channel. If you're sitting there and it's causing you anxiety and stress, that's because we're holding up a mirror that maybe you've been ignoring. Well, that's anything in life. Anytime you get hooked by something, you know, if I was to come to you and to say like, you're a hippo, like you wouldn't pay that <laughs> two cents. Like you wouldn't be bothered by that at all because you know it's not true, right? If, you know, we come to you and say, hey, like X, Y, and Z means your relationship is on the rocks and that's hooking you. And that's something that is connecting with you and that you're getting feelings about. That's because you recognize right like there's some level of truth where that Mm -hmm. resonates with you and this isn't a relationship thing by the way this is a life thing oh yeah right the things that bother us that we hear are always the things that we worry have some kernel of truth to them Mm -hmm. so if you're in that space and you're and you're watching an episode or you're reading one of our posts and you're like oh this negative stuff is really getting to me you need to look at why that's getting to you right and when we're at this place and those things are coming up, 
it can be scary, right? Because maybe you've had so many people around you being like, this is all like great and wonderful. And so we're not being negative. We're just holding up and saying, hey, this is the stuff that can happen. And if you're feeling it, then that's something you need to like inspect. And we like to have really, really open, honest conversations with people about this stuff, whether it is here on the show or it's like our clients or, you know, when we're having breakthrough calls, like I can't tell you how many times I personally have had calls with folks where, you know, uh, you know, they've had a breakthrough session and they're like, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate that. Like you asked me a question or a thing that nobody else has ever asked. And it's because they recognize the reason why we're asking is because it's important. And it's not out of like, let's pull out the negative things. It's about like, loving these people and and really coming from this place of just being honest, right? Because that's that's really what it's all about. And so the reason why we're so honest is because, as we said before, there is a there is not a, but many consequences to being overly optimistic, right? Um, and so here's the thing. A lot of times folks sit back and they're like, I'm not overly optimistic. So I'd like to kind of talk a little bit about um, statistics around and, 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 and theories behind optimism. So there's a book called Thinking Fast and Slow, right? And in it, the author has a quote that is, people tend to be overly optimistic about their relative standing on any activity in which they do moderately well. And I want to highlight that just for a second. We think that we are really good at things that we are moderately well, not well, moderately well on, right? And so what does this look like? So there, there's a couple of things, right? And we'll take this outside of relationships for a minute and we'll bring it back. But when they've looked into studies around this kind of stuff, right, it's things like driving, Right when they when they they've done like studies behind people who think that they can drive, right? And he actually talks about it in the book. And they're like, "Oh, I drive excellently well." But when they actually like watched them, studied them, the people who thought that they drove really really well didn't actually drive that good. Like it was moderately well to pretty bad, right? Because we overestimate our ability. We overestimate how good things are. Um, And there's a couple of reasons. One, we believe in ourselves a little too much. Two, we believe in what we remember more than we do, right? I know you talk about this a lot as far as memory. That's a separate topic. Don't get me started on that. This episode won't end and it won't go on the topic that we're talking about. But there's there's that challenge, right? which is like, we, we think that we can recall things much better than we can, right? And just down at its root, us as humans, we really do believe that we are better at most things than we are, right? Like we, we have a tendency to the things that we feel good about or decent about to really like bump up. Um, and what this is called is it's called optimism bias, right? And, and it's a thing. It's like, you can Google it. It's a thing. And it is a cognitive, it is a cognitive bias 
that causes you to believe that you are more likely to experience positive things and less likely to experience the negative, right? And so this isn't like something we're making up. This is, this is science. And what it consistently says is that 80% of people, right? 80% of the human population exhibit an optimistic bias, right? So what is that other 20%? Like we can sit here and talk about like some of that 20% could be children. Some of that 20% could be like, you know, elderly people. Like there's a whole other thing with that 20%, but let's just say 80%. That's a pretty big number, which means most likely you have it, right? Because really most of us do. And so what this means is that because we all have it, we have a huge kind of bias towards thinking that things are going to go better than they are. I just want to give another frame for this too, um, because the statistics are important. Um, but I just want to stack on this because I think it's easy for people to, to look at statistics and go, well, still not me. I'm that 20%. I'm this, I'm that. Or to not understand why it happens and, and to really have a hard time connecting. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, folks, when people are in a spot where they're suffering in their relationships, you know, they're arguing all the time. They're unhappy. They're afraid of what the future looks like. They're buried in jealousy. They're stressed out. They're losing weight. They're not sleeping. They can't focus at work. They're wondering if they're going to be divorced tomorrow. Like they're just miserable and unhappy and unfulfilled and terrified of what the future is going to bring. The, the thing is, it's very hard to get through the day like that, mm -hmm. right? It's impossible to get through the day like that. That's why people wind up depressed. That's why people wind up suicidal. That's why people wind up, you know, just living in anxiety like all the time that they can't break out of and not able to get out of bed or not able to focus with their kids or at work or like having horrible health consequences. And anytime we're in that place, we as humans do what we, I mean, need to do, mm -hmm. the only thing we can do, right, to survive. And we find ways to cope. And you know, people have all kinds of varying degrees of healthy and unhealthy ways of coping, right? But one of the biggest ways that we cope to get through the day is just to tell ourselves it isn't as bad or as hopeless as it appears mm -hmm. on the surface. And that, or, you know, it isn't, isn't really going the place that we know deep down that it's going right you know really this has been falling apart for years but really this book this is the one that's going to turn it around right or we're really going to try this time and we have to tell ourselves that like to get through the day like to mm -hmm. even be functional and this isn't just stuff i'm talking about with clients right i mean we've been Mm -hmm. in this place as well. But that is delusional optimism, right? Like that is this bias towards optimism, like expecting that things are going to change or pretending with no reason to think they're going to change, right? Ignoring 
the fact that I can't tell you how many people I talk to who it's like, okay, so like, you know, how long do you think this is sustainable if things don't get fixed? They're like, oh, I don't know. Like probably, you know, we could probably just keep doing this for a few years. It's like, oh, okay. How many times have you talked up about, talked about breaking up? Oh, you know, like four times in the last week and a half. And I just met with a lawyer. Like, <laughs> What? But we have to have that, that bias, right, to get through the day. But the problem is, is that when you're, well, I'll let you talk about the, the problems, right? Or you have talked about the problems. Yeah. But, you know, it's just important to recognize that this isn't just like, you know, some abstract thing with statistics. Like, this is what we all do as humans mm-hmm. to get through the day when our relationships are struggling. And it's, it's. What we have to do is say functional, but it isn't a good thing as far as our relationships are concerned. Yeah, it's something that there's a place for it, right? But when you lean into it too much, right? Like, yes, you might want to be a little bit optimistic about like, you know, today could be a better day. Like, I I, I think that like having that idea, like, like today could, right? But like you want to not lean into the optimism so much that you're not moving in the direction that you really want to, that you're sitting still, right? So I'm going to take this in. Go ahead. I want to, can I draw a distinction here that I think is really important? Mm -hmm. I think there's a distinction between possibility and hope and optimism. Yeah. That I, I want to draw here. And you can tell me if you agree or disagree. Optimism is pretending things are better than they are or expecting things to magically change with no good reason to think it. Hope and possibility, which I guess I'm kind of using the same thing here, are the recognition that things could change under the right circumstances. And I think that's a really important distinction right? Between the possibility that things could change under the right circumstances, whereas, you know, optimism is, or especially this kind of unfounded optimism we're talking about, Mm -hmm. is expecting them to kind of magically change with no real reason to think that you're doing the same things over and over and expecting a different result. Would you agree with that? So I was going to talk a little bit about this in a minute. Um, and you kind of rephrase it a different way than I would, because I feel like you're going to have people who are going to be like, well, you know, that's not exactly the meaning of optimism, right? Optimism doesn't necessarily mean like the way you defined it. I think that if you're breaking it down that way, yes, I think I agree that it's definitely there's there's sort of the three chunks, right? There's the and I, and I think what the important piece is is recognizing that there's a difference between believing something is going to just change and recognizing that there is opportunity for change. And I mm. think that that is really the two big yep. distinctions. In, because I feel like we, we might have people who listen to the show and they're like, let me look up the Webster diction of what, what you know. And I, 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 I think the big distinction is believing something is going to just automatically change and recognizing that, that there is opportunity for change. And I think that that is the, the, the really big distinction between letting yourself fall into uh, this, this, you know, optimism bias and leaning too far into it versus, you know, being open and not rejecting 
the possibility for change. Does that make sense? No, I, I mean, I agree. I think it's, I think we're using different words that we're talking yeah. about the same thing. Yeah. So if we don't want you to be like overly optimistic and all that, what, what do we, what do we want folks to do? Well, we want you to suffer. We want you to sit in the misery. We want you to be awful. We want you to just cry all the time. No, that's not what we want. No. <laughs> um, but I would suggest that you be realistic if you are suffering. Yeah. And not ignore it and not pretend it's not happening. Yeah. And ignore the danger. Absolutely. Just. Yeah. What we want is for you to acknowledge acknowledge what's really going on, right? Like if you have something going well today, right? Like acknowledge, like we had a really good day. We had a really good date night. Like I want you to acknowledge that. And I also want you to acknowledge when things aren't going well, or if there's a pattern of things not going well. Like one of the biggest things that I see folks do, we'll get on a call, their relationship will have been in shambles for the last five years, right? Like, you know, just three days ago, they were packing up their stuff. Like, you know, he was, he was signing divorce papers. She was throwing dishes in the kitchen. And then last night they had a great date night and amazing sex and everything's fine now. No, it's not. Or they had a really good talk. <laughs> they had a really good talk, right? One of those things, right? We, we had a really good, we sat down and we had a really good chat. Here's the thing. I don't want you to ignore that you had that good thing. Like acknowledge it. Like you had great sex. You had a good talk. And let's keep it in context, right? That one night in the bedroom, that one conversation did not undo the five years of arguments, jealousy, frustration, everything else. Like let's just be realistic. And that's where we're talking about this bias, right? Is what we see. And we're kind of like joking about it, but I'm, I'm dead serious. Like we see it all the time where, you know, we'll have somebody who we're talking to who it's like, you know, everything's great. We had this one talk. We did this date night, right? We, 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 we sat down together last night and it went well. And they take that as the trajectory that their relationship is now going to be on without taking any other steps. And that's just not realistic. Here's the problem. I don't know if we've really actually spelled this out, but the problem with this kind of delusional optimism that we're talking about here is that it feels better in the moment than acknowledging where you're at, but it doesn't give you the space to actually be realistic enough to evaluate mm -hmm. the changes that need to be made. You can never make a plan on how to fix things. You can never take the right actions to create a real change, if you're not being honest with yourself about where you're at in the first place, it's just not possible. Well, that's with anything in life, right? Like mm -hmm. if I if I go to the gym and I have one good day at the gym, right? And I ignore the fact that like, you know, I've sprained my ankle and everything's been, you know, I'm not gonna take the right actions to do something different. I'm just gonna be like, yes, I had a, an, an okay day at the gym, right? Like we, we have to really be able to evaluate where we are, right? So is there anything else you want to add to that before we kind of like talk about like... No, I just wanted to put that in the space. Yeah. It's so, so it really comes down to, you know, no, we don't 
hate optimism, right? And there, there is a, a healthy optimism, right? There's the healthy recognizing what can be that opportunity, right? Versus thinking things will get better, right? And those are two separate things. Thinking that things will just get better over time or with this talk or, you know, eventually versus it can, right? Because if you think it will, you stall. You think, oh, it'll just happen. If you believe it can, you can take that can and figure out how to make that can be a thing. I mean, I'd, I'd frame this even in this way, right? Which is, you know, if the answer is what do you want us to do instead of being delusionally optimistic, it's to, number one, be bluntly honest about where you're at, what's really going on and the challenges that are there and where this is heading if things don't get fixed, right? So you start with being bluntly honest about what is actually going on, okay? And then you allow the space for the possibility that things can change if you take the right action. And then it's figuring out, okay, so here's where I am. Like, here's the reality of where I am. Here's where I want to get. What actually needs to happen? Like, I know it's possible, but now what actually needs to happen? What are the steps, the actions that I need to take to close that gap, but that's only possible operating from a place of reality. Mm. How's that? I like that. I like it. And, and that's the thing, right? It's, 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 it comes down to what's the reality and what needs to happen, right? So that way it can be a reality, right? Because can is only possible if you're taking the steps to get there. So, um, Anything else you want to add on that? No, just, I just want to stack that, you know, what I would term as positive optimism or helpful, helpful, helpful optimism in the sense, like when we're talking about being optimistic, what I would think about as helpful optimism is not pretending things are different than they are. It's recognizing that there is always the possibility for things to be different if you take the right steps, if and only if you take the right steps, that is helpful optimism. And that's the optimism that we want to see you have. And I'll tell every one of you out there, there is the possibility for things to be better. Like you don't have to keep suffering, right? Or struggling in the ways that you've been. Like things can always be different with different action. You can change, your relationships can change, the future can change, your families can change, mm -hmm. right? And that's where, I think that's where you really have the optimism that really makes a difference in your life and really actually picks you up is not to like ignore what's going on. It's to recognize that whatever is going on, you have the power to make a change if you'll just seize it. Mm. I'm, I'm Buddha today. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. So with that, like if you're in that spot, right, where your relationship has been, you know, a challenge where you feel like, you know, you and your partner have been drifting apart, where you're recognizing that 
maybe you have been sugarcoating what's going on, right? And, and you're ready to step out of that and figure out a path to what is possible. That's what we do every day when we talk to folks, right? Is we, we have the chat, we figure out realistically what's going on. We ask the hard questions, we hold that mirror, right? And then from there, we talk about what the real possibilities are and what steps you need to take to get there. So if that's you, you can go to a touchofflavor.com forward slash talk and we'll have a chat. Yeah. And here's the thing, folks, again, right? I just, I want you to recognize that things can be different. Like you don't have to stay, you don't have to stay where you're at. Like that's the beauty of, I mean, of everything really, right? Of life is like, there's always the possibility for change. There's always the possibility to grow yourself. There's always a possibility for you to be different, right? For your relationships to be different, for whatever outcomes in life mm-hmm. <laughs> to be different, mm-hmm. right? But it starts with being honest. It starts with, and then, you know, taking intelligent action and knowing where to go. And so if you need help on that side of things, like Cassie said, a touchflare.com forward slash talk, and we'll help you out. So I think that's it. Everybody have a great week and we'll talk to y'all soon. Thanks for tuning into today's show. We release new episodes every week, so make sure to subscribe. If you're ready to transform your relationship and you'd like to see if you're a fit to work with us, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to atouchofflavor.com forward slash talk and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about an hour and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. What's really not working in your relationships, what your dream relationships would look like, and a step-by-step plan to close the gap and save your family even if nothing has worked before. We talk with hundreds of non-monogamous folks like you every year. And here's the truth, building loving, thriving relationships that doesn't happen on its own. You need expert guidance to make that happen. And unfortunately, when you are building relationships outside the box, that's impossible to find. And we get it, but that's exactly what we do. We've helped clients all over the world save their families, get the passion back, and become best friends again. So if you want to see if we can help you do the same, head over to atouchofflavor.com forward slash talk. I'm Cassie. And I'm Josh. Let's talk soon.